KPBS On Demand is supported by the Museum of Contemporary Art San Diego, offering visitors to the La Jolla campus special exhibitions, collection galleries, coastal vistas, seaside dining, and more. MCASD.org. Good morning. I'm Eric Anderson in for Debbie Cruz. It's Tuesday, October 4th. Will Proposition 1 expand abortion rights? More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. Oil prices are down in recent weeks, but gas prices keep going up. University of San Diego economist Alan Jin says cheaper oil means it's cheaper for refineries to produce gas, but Jin says those refineries are at the heart of recent price hikes. The refineries that convert oil into gas are are down, uh, some for scheduled maintenance, some for unplanned uh, uh, problems in terms of maintenance. That's caused the price of gas just to surge. Governor Gavin Newsom announced on Friday that refineries could start selling more polluting but cheaper winter blend gasoline to help bring prices down. Public transit in San Diego is free tomorrow. That includes the trolley, the coaster, sprinter, and fixed-route bus services. Free Ride Day falls on the same day as California's Clean Air Day, which aims to reduce emissions and improve air quality across the state. Past Free Ride Day events boosted ridership as much as 30 percent. The San Diego Padres are playing meaningful games in October this year. The Padres will play in a wild-card series starting Friday, running through Sunday. They last made the playoffs in 2020 during the shortened season, but haven't made the playoffs after a full season since 2006. The Padres secured the spot in the playoffs after the Milwaukee Brewers lost to the Miami Marlins on Sunday. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org. When the U.S. Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade was first leaked in April, state lawmakers in California went right to work. They drafted an amendment to protect abortion rights under the state constitution. And come November, residents will vote on it. But as KQED's health correspondent April Dombowski explains, there is a debate as to whether Proposition 1 may actually be expanding abortion rights. Mr. Speaker, you may open. Before the final legislative vote on the amendment, one Democrat after another stood up and declared their commitment to women's health, autonomy, and equality. This needs to be enshrined. To enshrine in our state constitution. We must enshrine the right to an abortion in our state constitution. But then Republican Kevin Kiley asked a pointed question. California law generally bars the performance of an abortion past the point of fetal viability. Would this constitutional amendment change that? The legislative chamber went quiet. For a full 30 seconds, Mr. Kiley waited. Assembly Speaker Anthony Rendon whispered with colleagues. He asked to have the question repeated. Then he declined to respond. I'll answer that question and others in my closing. He never did. 
Under current California law, abortion for any reason is allowed up to 24 weeks of pregnancy. This is the general definition of viability, the point at which a fetus can survive outside the womb. The constitutional amendment doesn't mention the word viability anywhere. And that's why I can't support this constitutional amendment today, because of what's missing from it. Republican Assemblymember James Gallagher says his twin boys were born 10 weeks early. And they were alive and they were people. Without explicit time limits on abortion, Gallagher says the constitutional amendment gets the balance wrong between the rights of the mother and the baby. It says nothing about their rights. Throughout debate of the amendment in Sacramento, there were several awkward moments when proponents seemed confused by the language of their own bill. They appeared to walk it back and scrambled to answer questions about viability. But doctors like Pratima Gupta, who were involved in drafting the law, say there was no mistake here. The word viability was left out on purpose. Every pregnancy is individual, and it's a continuum. She says people come into pregnancy with a range of pre-existing health conditions. Diabetes, anemia, high blood pressure. They may not have access to good medical care. All of these very nuanced factors determine whether a fetus is viable, not some arbitrary number. For example, if I see a patient who has broken their bag of water at 23 weeks of pregnancy, that doesn't mean that it's viable or not viable. In recent years, at least three other states have removed gestational age limits from their abortion laws, including Colorado, New Jersey, and Vermont. Abortion opponents say if California follows suit by passing Prop 1, women will be lining up for abortions when they're eight months pregnant for no reason at all. The latest research suggests this is a fantasy. There's a very small percentage of abortions that take place at and after 21 weeks. It's about 1%. Elizabeth Nash is a policy analyst at the Guttmacher Institute. She says women seek abortions later because of medical complications and increasingly legal barriers. It may be that they're delayed because there are lots of restrictions they have to comply with. Maybe because they need to travel for an abortion. It may be that they can't get time off of work or that it was a wanted pregnancy and something happened. Even in California, polls show voters get more uncomfortable with abortion the later it gets in pregnancy. But when it comes to Proposition 1, almost three quarters say they're going to vote for it. The politics of viability have changed. Mary Ziegler is a law professor at UC Davis. With the Supreme Court erasing the federal right to abortion and multiple states banning the procedure, she says the vast majority of Californians are not inclined to nitpick. These viability arguments that had obviously been compelling for decades don't land the same way. Ziegler says Prop 1 may ultimately allow abortion at any point in pregnancy, but it will likely be left to the courts for the final interpretation. From San Francisco, I'm April Dimboski. San Diego city and county governments held a joint meeting yesterday on affordable housing. It's the first time the two governments have had a joint session in 20 years. KPBS Metro reporter Andrew Bowen has details. The city council and county board of supervisors voted unanimously to set a goal of building 10,000 affordable homes on public land in the next eight years. The hope is by making that land available for little to no cost, affordable housing developers would need less taxpayer dollars to make their projects pencil out. 
Council President Sean Ela Rivera hopes San Diego can also speed up the permitting process. It's not just about uh, building affordable homes, it's about bringing down the cost of building housing. That makes housing more affordable. Um, And one of the ways that we do that is by streamlining the regulatory process. Um, You have uh, my commitment to uh, be open to a variety of ideas on that front. One possible reform on the horizon is a measure to let San Diego's public housing agency exceed zoning limits on its own land. Andrew Bowen, KPBS News. On the same day the city and county came together for an historic resolution on affordable housing, a groundbreaking ceremony took place in San Isidro on a new project catering to seniors. KPBS reporter Jacob Ayer says the 100-unit complex will include some rooms for those who've experienced chronic homelessness. Mariachi music filled the air Monday morning in San Isidro. The band played uplifting songs to mark the start of construction on a new affordable senior complex called Ventana al Sur in the town's historic village district. The developer's president and CEO, Arnulfo Manriquez, says the project is specifically for seniors 62 and over with very low income. We're across the street from the trolley station, so seniors will be able to go on trolley public transportation. It's right near grocery stores, it's right near to uh, parks, and it's right near to a library, as well as a a health clinic nearby. The services are going to be incredible. The project will also include 25 units reserved for seniors experiencing chronic homelessness. Manrique says construction should be completed by summer of 2024. There will be a lottery system for interested applicants, which will open during the first months of that same year. Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. Late last week, Governor Gavin Newsom vetoed a bill meant to reduce deaths inside county jails. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado says the families of people who've died in custody are asking what it'll take to make change happen. Family members of those who have died in custody inside San Diego County jails gathered in downtown San Diego on Monday to share their stories. My name is Sandy Weddle. My son died just four days after he was booked into central jail. Sending a message to Governor Gavin Newsom about his veto of AB 2343, the Saving Lives in Custody Act. My name is Sabrina Weddle. How many people does Newsom want to die before he sees change? Newsom said he vetoed the bill because it required two new positions on the Board of State and Community Corrections. Two necessary seats. One is medical and one is mental health. And a lot of the deaths that we have are a combination of both, if not one or the other. That's Yusuf Miller, who's been fighting alongside the families for years and co-founded the North County Equity Justice Coalition, saving lives in custody campaign. Dr. Akila Weber wrote the bill. She plans to reintroduce the bill in the next legislative session. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. Coming up, a theater that's been around since the civil rights era starts a new era at the La Jolla Playhouse. We'll have that story and more next, just after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. 
Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Common Ground Theater has been around since the civil rights era. Now it starts a new era as the theater in residence at La Jolla Playhouse. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando attended a rehearsal last week to find out how Common Ground is using the residency program to reach a larger audience. La Jolla Playhouse's theater-in-residence program offers smaller companies an opportunity to benefit from the resources of the Playhouse. Jacole Kitchen, Director of Arts Engagement, is always on the lookout for companies worthy of consideration. We really look for companies who are showing a record of longevity, that they already have made a mark on this community. The latest beneficiary of the Playhouse's program could not fit the bill better, since it's been serving the San Diego theater community since the 1960s. Common Ground Theater is known in the United States of America as one of the three longest running African-American theater companies. That's Yolanda Franklin. She stepped into the role of artistic director for Common Ground Theater just before the pandemic hit. But the company was formed during the civil rights era. Back then there weren't many places that were producing our plays. So they created it so that we could have a place where we could teach people the, the art of acting and also some of the behind the scenes. All of that was done at Common Ground Theater and continues to be. Kitchen was impressed at Common Ground's mission to support and lift up artists of African descent and at how the company is deeply embedded in the community. Just seeing the way that Yolanda Franklin and the team over at Common Ground have been hustling and getting things done and just at the most grassroots level. And she hopes the residency can help Common Ground reach a wider audience. Common Ground is utilizing this year in residence to spread out their productions because they have so many different types of events that they're doing. And it's not just theater. There's poetry events, there's music events, and there's so many things that they want to do that we are able to spread out the resources of the residency really fully throughout their full season. Its first production under the residency program back in July combined poetry, music and the theme of black struggle, says Franklin. We all are struggling at some point. We all have something that has oppressed us and kept us down that we need to say, I'm going to still rise above that. And so the audience, the audience feedback was, it was like we were all in it together. And starting there together, we could go on the journey and then we could open them up to different things that they didn't necessarily focus on about us. And we could speak to them then from a common ground. During the pandemic, finding common ground was more challenging as the company wanted to address outrage in the black community over the murder of George Floyd. So what we wanted to do was make a space where these playwrights could have a voice and they could get it off their chest and kind of like a healing process for the community, for, for us, and for us to start conversation. 
because everyone was like, where do we go from here? And where Franklin wanted to go was on a journey to extend that conversation to different facets of being Black, which led to her Black Love series. There is a local playwright. Her name is Cheryl Mallory Johnson. She has five novels, and they're all about love. This is something we need. We don't see it. Cheryl Mallory Johnson's Sense of Love began as a screenplay, then became a book, and is now Common Ground's next play. I see stories that too often deal with the oppression of Black people and us overcoming oppressions and our struggles. And I think this is very refreshing story. The story that's just about Black love. Her sense of love is about a widowed dad and a single mom who come together at pivotal points in their lives. They both are haunted by a painful past and they must overcome it in order to have a second chance at love. Franklin hopes this story has something everyone can identify with as Common Ground enters a performance space from the Playhouse that's twice the size of its old venue. We're ready for it. It's exciting. It's like, you know, it's stretching and it's challenging. Common Ground has been meeting challenges for decades, but now it has an opportunity to stretch beyond its core community to reach a wider audience. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. Common Ground's A Sense of Love runs October 14th through the 16th at the Mandel Weiss Forum Theater as part of the Playhouse Theater's in-residence program. The Indian narrow-headed softshell turtle is rare and endangered. San Diego Zoo has three of the turtles, and it's been monitoring them for breeding activity for the last 20 years. Yesterday, they announced that waiting had paid off. The zoo has 41 baby turtles or hatchlings. We'll have more on that tomorrow. That's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Eric Anderson. Debbie Cruz will be back tomorrow. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.